Today I want to talk to you about curses. Now when Jesus was on earth, he said, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. But many people today are not living in the blessing that is available to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Helen and I lived on Niue Island for a couple of years. And I want to start by telling you a, a couple of stories about what happened on Niue Island. Now, if you look at the map there, you can see that Niue is positioned between Tonga and the Cook Islands. And um, just uh, to the west of Fiji, and a wee bit further south. It's a small island, but it's actually the largest coral island in the world. And because it's a coral island, the rain filters down through that coral and forms lots of caves. So there's no rivers on the island because all the water just drains through the coral. But there are many, many caves throughout the island. In the old days, they used to bury people in caves because there was only about a two-inch topsoil and they couldn't dig down through that coral rock. So it was easier to find a cave that could become a burial tomb for the people. And so most of those burial caves are tapu. They're, they're sacred and you don't disturb them. And people have a great fear of the spirits of the dead. Now, when I lived over there, I was head of geography at Niue High School. And one day, we got a, a visiting American who was sponsored by the National Geographic magazine and the American Science Foundation. And he came to me because I had access to all the topographic maps on the island, and he said, oh, I'm doing research on freshwater insects on ca in caves, and I want to visit as many caves as I can on the island. So we sat down with these topographic maps and we worked out where different caves were. And there was a cave called Anataloa. Now the word ana in Nguyen means cave. And so Anataloa was the cave of Taloa. Now Taloa was a cannibal prior to the time when Europeans came to Nguyen Island. And he lived in a cave near a sea track and when people were going down this track to the sea, he would whack them over the head with a club, take them back to his cave, and he would eat their flesh. And particularly when his wife was pregnant, they would both eat human flesh. And so this cave, Anataloa, was regarded as being tapu on the island. And I am a firm believer of faith in Jesus rather than fear. I could understand a burial cave being sacred. But when this person was a murderer and his cave is still there vagrantly defying human existence, and then, then I'm thinking, well, look, um, let's break the power of um, this curse. And so we went, drove around the island to the area where this cave was. We knocked on the door of a house and we said, where is Anataloa Cave? And they looked at us with absolute wonder and fear and said, you can't go there. 
And I said, look, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe that my faith in Jesus Christ is greater than any curse, any, any fear. And so she points across this big sort of area of elephant grass and in the distance there were these bunion trees. And she said, if you can get your way through that long grass, uh, the cave is by those bunion trees. And so we started bush bashing our way through the grass when suddenly I encountered the greatest pain I have ever felt in my life. It was so painful that I just absolutely froze. I was scared that whatever caused that pain was going to hurt me again. And the hairs on the back of my head went on end and I just stood there. And then this American guy screams out at the top of his voice, hornets, and he starts running off in the other direction. And I realised that I had backed up against a hornet's nest and simultaneously, I was able to count the red marks later, I had been stung by 16 hornets at the same time. Now, I was in, in an incredible state of shock at that point. Um, and I th when it first happened, I thought, gosh, these tarpoos are real. You know, <laughs> I'm in trouble. What's going on here? And so after we sort of got over the shock, um, this guy uh, said, well, come on then. And I said, no, we're not going over there. He says, yes, we are. So away we went. We got to the bunion trees and there was this, it looked like a bomb crater down below the bunion trees. And we climbed down the roots of the bunion tree into this crater and there were four tunnels going in four different directions and there were human bones at the entrance to each of the tunnels. And so, you know, I had a trust in God. I didn't yield to the fear. We went through the tunnels. We checked the place out. And that was a turning point. And that place now, if you visit Niue, you can visit that cave. Although not everyone uh, thinks that you should be visiting the cave. But I want to look at a couple of verses that just sort of highlight this faith and fear thing. Let's have a look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now notice it says a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. But instead of fear, we can have power, power of God, love and a sound mind. People that yield to curses often suffer from confusion. A second verse says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now that's a really interesting verse, because you're either in one or the other. Are you, in, are you under fear, or are you under faith? A person who is fearful doubts God's love and protection. When we know that God loves us, we know that he will help us throughout whatever situation we encounter. A lot of people are fearful because they think that they deserve punishment. 
and they haven't got their, right, their lives right with God and when this life ends, they may endure punishment. So that middle verse, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And the, the other verse there, Proverbs 26 verse 2, a curse without cause will not alight on the head of a righteous person. So if we have a strong faith in God and we're living for the Lord, nothing evil can land on us. We're protected. Before the Europeans arrived on New Island, they were a pagan people and they worshipped fetishes and charms and idols. And there was one particular charm that was described even in the history books. There's a book by Terry Chapman that describes this charm, this fetish called the Tokamutu as the god on the island who had the sole responsibility over the entire prosperity of the land. Now when the Europeans came, people converted to Christianity and they got rid of a lot of their old charms and fetishes. But this Tokamutu is still there and I want to tell you a story about it. One of the assignments that I used to set my year 12 geography class was they had to do a research project on a historical and geographic landmark on the island. And one of my students chose to study the Tokamutu. And so he read all the literature. And he found that in the old days they, they used to have a little hut and they hung this fetish from the ceiling and there was a fire burning in the hut and it was the high priest or a special person's job to ensure that that fire burned continually. If that tokamudu wasn't looked after properly then they would endure bad luck. There was, it also said that if you looked at the Tokamudu, you would go blind. And so one day, oh, so the, the tribe, or in those days, there were two groups on the island. There were the, the tribe of the north and the tribe of the south. And the tribe that possessed the Tokamudu would be blessed. They would have rain. They would catch fish. Their crops would grow. They would be successful in battle. And so one day, two guys from the south crept up, blindfolded themselves, went into that hut, and they stole the Tokamudu. And they took it down to the south of the island, and they hid it in a cave called Veve. And so my student is researching this topic, and he's going to the area where that platform was, where the hut was, and he can see raised rocks. And then he goes down to the south to talk to the people about Veve Cave. And he spoke to a guy who said that his grandfather had been the last person to go into Veve Cave, that he had gone into the cave with his grandfather, 
and they had said, this is bad, no one should go here anymore, this place is cursed. And then after that, there were stories of two different groups of people trying to go into the cave. There was a, 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 a whole entrance to the cave and it was blocked with a large rock and one day two guys decided that they were going to go in there and so they rolled back the rock and then blood started pouring out of their nose and mouths and um, they realised that they'd done something bad and so they, they left. But then a few years later two other guys pulled the stone away, they went down the passage into the cave and as they were going down into the cave, they could feel a breeze coming up towards them. And they were fearful of that breeze, so they turned around and they went back. Both of them were killed in accidents that year. One in a fishing accident and one in a, a road accident. And so I had uh, parent interviews at the school and this guy came and said to me, he says, look, I, you shouldn't be checking this out. This, this is really dangerous. Um, he says, our whanau, uh, we have our bush garden in the area quite close to where the cave is. And not so long ago, we cleared out, uh, you know, slash and burn, um, clear the, the forest, and then they would burn it, and then they would, light, uh, they would grow their crops in the ashes. And, and he said, when we tried to burn the forest, it wouldn't burn. So I talked to my student that was doing the research, and he says, you know, Mr. Armstrong, we could find that Tokamudu, we could find the cave, because I know where his bush garden is, and all we need to do is go on my motorbike one night down that road and, and look for an area of unburnt vegetation on his bush garden, and we can find the entrance to the cave. And this guy is now the Minister of the Environment on New Island and Minister of Fisheries. But in the end, we, we said, no, we'd better not. Um, we'd better sort of not do anything too vagrant. We needed to get a wee bit of, um, uh, get a bit of permission first. And in those days, the Premier of New Island was Sir Robert Rex, and his daughter-in-law, daughter Phyllis Rex, had just opened a new museum on the island. And so we went to Philip, Phyllis Rex and we, said, we told her the story. And we said, look, if we can go into the cave and recover the Tokamudu, we can break its negative power, donate it to the museum so you can display it and tell the history about it, and then, you know, tourism, you can run sort of bus tours, caving tours to the cave and, and tell them the story. And she was very excited about the idea, but we didn't actually get around to doing it before we left. But the good news is we've got a, a youth mission trip planned for New A Island later on in the year. <laughs> Niue is still a Christian country, but the power of some of these traditional gods has never been broken. The very first of the Ten Commandments is in Exodus 20, verses 2 to 6, where it says, 
do not worship any other gods besides me. Do not make idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affection with any other God. I do not leave unpunished the sins of those who hate me, but I punish the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations. But I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. And then in Deuteronomy 27 verse 15, Cursed is anyone who carves or casts idols and secretly sets them up. These idols, the work of craftsmen, are detestable to the Lord. And so just as we warn children to stay away from a hot fire or keep off a busy street, God warns us to stay away from dangerous, dangerous actions and situations. Doing wrong towards God can bring about tragic consequences. And Niue Island's history is one of tragedy and misfortune. Just after we left the island, the island was battered by two major tropical cyclones that totally devastated the island, wiped out the hospital, the hotel, basically the whole infrastructure of the island had to be rebuilt. And over the years they've had numerous projects that they thought would bring prosperity to the troubled economy of the island, but they have all failed. They thought, well, look, we'll plant lime trees. There's a lot of demand in the West for limes. Then they thought, well, coconut oil was going to be the, the, the secret crop that was going to make them a lot of money. Then coconut cream, passion fruit, bananas, vanilla and honey. Then they invested heavily in tourism. They built a new hotel and tracks around the island, but then they couldn't get a regular airline to fly the tourists to the island. And today, thousands, it's like most Pacific Islands, there's more Nuans, far more Nuans living in New Zealand than are living on Niue. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12. Riches and honour come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is at your discretion that people are made great and given strength. Deuteronomy 28 talks about blessings and curses. And it says, you will experience these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And there's a whole list of things. Good health, fruitfulness, prosperity, good weather, God's favour, an abundance of good things. And then in verse 13, you will be the head and not the tail. Are you the head or the tail? Do you feel that you get dragged through life, you're at the end, nothing good happens to you? Or are you the head and you're decisive and you're making good decisions and your decisions are working out and God is blessing you? Are you in control of the situations in your own life? Are you making appropriate decisions and seeing them successfully carried out? Or do you just have a few ideas that never actually come 
to fruition. Let's look more closely at Deuteronomy 28 verses 16. It says, But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and laws, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. And it lists a whole lot of things. Humiliation, unfruitfulness, sickness, family breakdown, poverty, defeat, oppression, failure, God's disfavour. And then in verse 29 it says, you will be unsuccessful in everything that you do. You will build a house, but you will not live in it. That's what's happened on New Way Island. There's houses everywhere, but they're all empty. Villages have got houses, but people have boarded them up and they've come over to live in New Zealand. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation. They're all in New Zealand. You will plant much, but harvest little. Jeremiah 7, 22 and 23. Obey my voice and I will be your God. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. If you are obedient, you will prosper in all that you do. And so the people of Niue, even today, are enduring a curse rather than walking in the blessing of the Lord. The root cause of blessing is obedience to the word of God. John 10 verse 28, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. What is God telling you to do? Are you obedient to God? The root cause of a curse is disobedience, willful disobedience to the voice of God. Just as that Tokamutu is still buried in a cave and is affecting the well-being of Niue Island, so can sin and disobedience that we have buried in our own lives. It will affect our well-being in various ways. And so to admit that things exist that are wrong in our lives and to deal with them means that we have to humble ourselves. We have to be willing to change, to be transformed in the way that we think. Some of us are like those people in Niue. We'd rather put up with an old situation than confront it and deal with our problems. Some people get pleasure and a sense of security from hanging on to those old habits in life. Things like self-pity, resentment, holding grudges. These are internal idols. They're strongholds that give the enemy power over us. So God calls us to admit our weaknesses and our problems and our difficulties and trust in his power to bring those idols down. I would encourage each of you to examine your lives this morning. Are there strongholds that you're hanging on to? Ways of life that you've excused for a long period of time? We can say, with God's help, I'm going to confront these things. I'm going to humble myself and allow God to bring about the change that he desperately wants to bring in my life. When we are under a curse, we will find that our life is extremely difficult. No matter how hard we try to improve or change our situation, we never quite make it. 
Time after time we get to the brink of success. We think all my problems have been solved. This job's going to save my finances. This relationship is going to make me happy. Only to have it snatched away. Curses can affect our health, our earning power, our ability to control our own lives. Emotionally, curses cause confusion. One of the strongest signs that someone is under a curse is that they are confused. They can't make their mind up about things. They're in a place of despair. They have that inability to think straight. Some people can become overly superstitious. They can be fearful that everything's a curse. There's a demon behind every tree. But if you encounter constant failure, it's worth examining these things more closely. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, many are the trials of the righteous, but he delivers them from them all. I've been through some difficult things in my life, but I've come out the other end. I feel as though I'm going forward, I'm making progress, I'm making ground. I'm the head and not the tail. Breaking curses is actually surprisingly easy for Christians because we live under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so curses have no power over a godly person. Curses can come upon us because of idol worship, involvement in the occult, secret societies, also through defiant disobedience or rebellion to God. When we know God's telling us to do something, but we choose not to do it. Things such as sexual immorality, theft and injustice. Curses may be directed at us by others because of their hatred towards us or their greed their use of magic, voodoo, spiritual conflict and a desire for revenge. So God provided the means for breaking curses through Jesus' death on the cross. Have a look at Galatians 3.13. This, this is an amazing verse. If you can get a revelation of what this verse means, it will set you free. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through his death, we can receive the same blessing that was promised to Abraham if we receive his promise through faith. Are you filled with fear or are you filled with faith in an almighty God? So Jesus hung on that cross between heaven and hell, accepted by neither God nor man, and he became a curse for us. He took the curse that you and I deserved. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says all of us have strayed away like sheep. We've all left God's paths to follow our own. Yet God has laid on him, Jesus, 
the guilt and sins of us all. And so the cross of Jesus Christ is the gateway for God's love and God's provision for us. We can accept his free gift. We don't have to jump through a whole lot of hoops. It's a gift that we can receive. But we're still required to listen and obey the things that he tells us to do. So that cross overcomes Satan's legal right to control us and to hold us as prisoners. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 21, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. What do you think about most of of the time? What is your treasure? Are you fearful about what happens at the end of this life or are you looking forward to heaven where you're going to be in the presence of God forever? If we treasure Jesus and his kingdom as our eternal future, we'll shape our lives around these things and be guided to choose what is best. And so in James 4 verse 17 it says, So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Colossians 1 verse 13. He has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all of our sins. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? So the cross is like a a large stop sign saying, Satan, you can't go past here. So what are the idols and strongholds in your life? Identify them as blockages to the flow of God's presence, to the flow of God's fruitfulness in your life. Tell yourself, 2020 is the year when all of these old bad behaviours are going to stop. I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to remove these giants and strongholds from my life. Confess them to God. Renounce them. Remove them. And repent of them. Ask God's Spirit to cleanse and renew you this morning. God responds with mercy and grace to humble confession and heartfelt repentance. Now, tonight at Revive, we're going to pray specifically for people or even for groups of people. We're going to pray for things like sickness, financial hardship, addictions, anger, barrenness, unfruitfulness. We want to minister to people tonight in all sorts of ways. We want to train people in this church to pray for the sick, to pray for people that are battling oppression. We want to be a church where everyone walks in victory, where we're not bowed down to demonic forces. But what I want us to do in closing this morning is I want to read I want us all to read a proclamation together. It's going to come on the screen. Um, When I say I want us all, I'm not saying everyone has to read this. I'm saying if you want to read this, you read it. 
But this was uh, written by a man called Derek Prince who had incredible authority over curses and demonic spirits. And this prayer, we'll pray it again tonight. T tonight we're going to have a worship time and we're just going to open up what happens um, to the Holy Spirit. But in that environment, God has power to heal and renew and deliver. So let's all stand together and let's um, pray this together. I testify to Satan as to what the Bible says the blood of Jesus does for me. Through the blood of Jesus, I am set free out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, my sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am made righteous. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I will be obedient to what God tells me to do. Through the blood of Jesus, Satan has no place in me and no power over me. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Father, I pray that you give every single person here this morning a revelation that your word is truth, that you are way above any other power in this world. Everything must bow the knee towards you. And so, Lord, I pray that you will replace our fears with faith in Jesus Christ that we will walk in your blessing. Lord, that any curses over us will be broken in the name of Jesus, that we can be set free out of that cage of addiction, that we can walk the path of life as the head and not the tail, as you lead us. Lord, make us a blessing. Set us free. Do a work in these people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's keep standing and sing.